Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me today, all the way from about three miles across town, my friend Stephanie Kettle. Stephanie, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you, Patrick? I am wonderful. I'm so glad that we didn't have any audio-video problems, no technical difficulties at all. We just decided to start a half an hour late tonight. We were just enjoying each other's company so much. (sighs) Okay, so um, Stephanie was kind enough to join me tonight. Now, Stephanie, you are the second lady I've had visit on the Bible Thumper podcast in the studio. So as I said to the first lady we had as a visitor, don't make me regret it. Never. And I really do appreciate you coming on because uh, today fell apart a little bit, so I wasn't ready to do what I was planning on doing, so I was in search of a friend, and uh, you will be happy to know that you were only the... Do you even have that many friends? No, I don't. You were the third (laughs) person I called, so, and the first one to say yes, so you're on here. All right, so... Stephanie, you and I were talking about bringing up the topic of problems with modern day churches and Christianity. Yes. What made you think of that subject? Because we've talked about it before. Okay, we have. So let me ask you this. You and your husband um, go to a church now. Correct. How long have you been there? Five years. You've been there five years. Five and five before years. that, how long were you looking for a church? How many churches did you visit before you found one you liked? I want to say five or six. And that was over six-month period or four to six-month period probably. Okay. I don't think that's really abnormal, do you? To church hop? No, I meant when you're looking for one. No. You know, it's not like you would continually go to a different church for a month at a time. Like you were looking for one, so you would try one out and you'd spend between a month to two months at each church trying to see if it was for you. And when you decided it was not, you went looking for another one. Yeah. I mean, some churches, it was like after the first one, no. It it just wasn't for you. You could tell. Yeah. Okay. Did you, can I use your husband's name on this podcast? I'm sure he's fine with it. Okay, because they're going to look him up online and he's going to get swamped with fan mail. He doesn't have a Facebook. Okay. So did you and Nick have any, did you have like a plan that you came up with or any principles that you were like, okay, we don't want this, we want this? Or was it more like, let's just try one, our friends invited us, let's go there and we'll talk about it when we get home? Kind of like that, yeah. Okay. And then by church hopping, we were able to be like, well, no, definitely don't want that or don't mm-hmm. want that or, you know. Um, and then we ended up trying the one we're currently at because it's where Serenity was going to preschool at the time. And it's okay. attached to a church. So they have a school there. They do. I'll tell you what, that is a good way to get people to your church. Now, I take issue with churches having schools. Why? The reason is simple. The school ends up running the church. Hmm. So here's the idea. Churches already have issues with the people in the pews running the church. And by that, I mean, you have a mortgage payment, you have salaries for the church, you need people, people equal tithing and giving and money to support the budget. So there's already a danger of people running the church rather than letting the word of God do it. Mm -hmm. When you have a school, then you have the problem of the school running the church and decisions being made to keep the school going. And what ends up happening in, I don't want to say a lot or a little, because I think I'd just be making up, you know, how many But what you end up happening is you'll have the church budget bleeding over into the school to subsidize it and take care of the school because most Christian schools do not charge what they need to to pay for teachers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you end up having the church run the school. I'm not sure about that. I do know I, I pay equivalent or close to what I would pay to have her in a different in a different preschool or daycare. Okay, so 
Now the other thing, and this and this is my suggestion, and don't get me wrong, I'm not expecting pastors or churches to listen to me because no one's asking for my opinion. What I think should happen is the Christians in the church that say, we don't want our kids in public school. And I get that. And that's a common idea, especially if you have a church of a couple thousand people and they come to the pastor and they're like, look, we don't want our kids in public school. We would like to start a Christian school. Okay, pastors are going to deal with that. That's that's pretty common. What I think the pastor should do at that point is they should he should say, great, start a Christian school. Go ahead and start one. There's nothing stopping you guys from starting a Christian school. I will support it. I will encourage people at this church to send their kids there instead of going to a public school, but it will have nothing to do with this church. Now, if you need a place, you can rent a room or a couple rooms or whatever for the from the church building so we can have a loose connection. But And furthermore, uh, the people in the church can run it. So you have a handful of parents that want to run the school. Great. One of them is the principal. Handful of church members that are parents are going to be the, you know, the, the school board. A couple more are going to be the teachers. You're going to hire some teachers that you find that you like. Great. All of that is great. It is not going to be a church school. I don't know if it is. I know it's just preschool. Sure. Um, so I they don't, don't even have grade school or anything else. No, yeah. It's like you have to be potty trained. So let's say three to yeah. five. And then in the summer, they'll take up to like 10 years old, I think. Sure. Now that can be a big moneymaker for a church. I don't know how affiliated it is with the church. Yeah, yeah. It might not be. I have no idea. <laughs> I have literally no idea. Well, and that's okay. And I'm not saying that there's necessarily anything wrong with it. I can't really say that it is or is not uh, biblical or unbiblical. I'm just saying my experience has been separate those things. You're going to save yourself some headaches, speaking right. as a pastor. Yeah. All right. So you guys ended up at your church. After visiting several that didn't work out, mm-hmm. what didn't you like about them? Um, one of them was the amount of money they were putting into just the worship service. Like there was fog machines and all these lights and uh-huh. these screens and that someone literally walked around with a video camera. Sure. And that just didn't feel like a good use of money. Not sure. That, you know, it, just, it was a big production. Right. And that. So, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. It just didn't feel right to us. So I have a uh, family that we rent a property to and their son-in-law is a professional musician and he is oftentimes hired out to play at a church like that. Oh. So you got to understand the people that are doing the singing and the playing of the instruments and all that stuff, they might not even go there. Oh. Yeah. So they're hired because of their talent, not necessarily because of... So they might not even be Christian. Of course. That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. See, <laughs> the churches that... Like this one that we're currently going to, I know they're part of the congregation. Because okay. we see them and I... you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. They hang around. This one might have... Like, because we were church hopping, I have no <laughs> idea if they were part of the church or not. But okay. But it was the... It just felt... I guess it depends on where that money's coming from. Sure. And how they're using it. But it didn't feel right. And then there was another one that... The sermon was, if you prayed for someone and they weren't healed, then you weren't praying right, because God wants everyone healed. Was that a Pentecostal church? That was... Um, you don't have to say the name of them. I, it, I can't... A non-denominational mm-hmm. is what I think. Okay. Um, Sounds Pentecostal to me if I were to have to render a guess. Okay. So you didn't like the doctrine as far as the preaching went? Yeah, that just didn't sit right with me because, you know, with my mom's cancer and everything. And oh, you went through that. I had already gone through that by the, yeah, by okay. this point. So, and I just don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. There's several points in the Bible where. 100% right. Yeah. Sometimes people don't get healed and sometimes that's God's will. Absolutely. So I didn't agree with that. Yep. Um. So those were two that we never went back to again. That was just one and done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. And then. I feel like big mega churches don't address the harder subjects. It's always all the feel good, what? all the feel good, like 
stuff that you leave and you feel good about your Christianity and Jesus and God, and it doesn't make you grow. It doesn't make you question yourself, it, you know, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So are you saying that you found a correlation with the size of the church and the depth of the preaching? Yes, in my ex- limited experience. But yeah, that's fine. Keep that's, in mind, we're not asking you as a pollster, you know, right. commenting. Just that's all we're talking it about is your experience. The bigger ones that have, you know, drawing in congregation, that seems to be a big part of it, is mm-hmm. drawing in just more people. And to draw in more of the common people, you would need softer messages that the common person wants to hear. What you're saying is not unfamiliar. I've said the same thing. I've heard other people say the same thing. I'm just trying to get, you know, your experience about it. Keep in mind, the idea, again, is one of the dangers of churches across the board for pastors is you are going to be struggling with teaching the Bible and making the people happy because happy people keep coming back and people often don't give if they're going somewhere else. So that's the struggle that you're always up against. Luckily for us, um, we don't worry about that. So we just have a revolving door of all the people that come in, hear me preach, get mad, and leave forever. So we haven't had to struggle with that yet. But that that is a concern. So, okay. Um, What else have you found that was a problem? Um, I guess it, uh, like, uh, I guess, would you call that watered down? Christianity, the same thing? Sure. Okay. Um, as far as the people or the preaching? The preaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we can all be watered down Christians at one oh, time yeah. or another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. And I can't remember why we didn't like one of them. Okay. Um, I don't think it was, des- I don't think it was that we didn't necessarily, li- I guess it didn't feel like home. Okay. If, There was nothing particularly wrong with it. It just didn't feel right. And that's fine. Joanna and I went through the same thing that you went through, except our experience lasted several years. Mm -hmm. And, And that's not really fair because in that time, we found two different churches that we stayed with for a while, for more than a year. Uh, But we still, uh, I want to say it was like five years of looking, you know, before we finally found our home, which, you know. is home? Yeah, is our home church where I'm the pastor. Okay, so when you guys were going through this process and you were saying, okay, we don't like this, we don't like that, this isn't really for us. Did you at any time say we are, these are the parameters as far as what we're looking for now? I think we can, yeah, we'd had some conversations about things we wanted, things we didn't, especially after each church. It was like, well, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Won't be going back there. I knew I didn't want a mega church because okay. for a lot of reasons, but one of them was there's, it doesn't feel very personal mm-hmm. also is one of them. Like you walk in and there's so many people, not everyone can greet somebody and you can walk in and walk out and never talk to another person. Sure. Um, but I also didn't like the you know, the social anxiety within me was like, this is too many people. Too many. So you preferred medium to small sided. Something that could also feel more personal where we Mm -hmm. could connect with people. Yeah. um, Make a couple friends or get involved with a small group where we actually knew the people. And it wasn't just some random, like you sign up for a small group and they designate you to someone and you've never seen the people in your life. Yeah. And you know, the way that bigger churches try to get over that hump is they have a small group that meets in someone's home throughout the week and they try to, you know, break everyone up and you sign up for these groups and hopefully you find, you make some friends at some kind of small group. Um, the, the churches that I came from, which are independent Baptist churches, they try to, um, break up the church by Sunday school. Mm-hmm. So they have Sunday school classes and the idea or the hope or the goal is that you would, you know, find a little bit of a smaller atmosphere and family kind of togetherness in those smaller groups. And that is the way they hope to overcome that issue. Cause again, I've heard lots of people say the same thing when Joanna and I started our church and we started inviting people I was amazed at how many people thought it was awesome that we met in our home and that it was a pretty small church. People, yeah. I, I, 
didn't really see that as a selling point. I found out it actually was. People thought it was great. Yeah, and people hang out afterwards and talk and yep. eat. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's nice. I don't know. And I like one thing I have issues with just like church in general, which is yeah. part me. Oh yeah, is that's fine. Kind of the holier than thou Christians of you're not doing it right, or mm-hmm. if you're if you've had a certain past or this or that. Yeah. You know, um, and that's a real turnoff for me. Sure. I I think it's a turnoff for a lot of people. So one thing that... Okay, so are you saying you don't feel that at my house? Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm still working up the courage to talk to more than more one... More people. More than one person. <laughs> <laughs> I talk to you. I talk to Joanna. Sure. I talk to your kids. I talk to my husband. Yeah. And then I will usually try to talk to one person I haven't talked to. Sure. But you're saying that you don't get that feeling at our place. No. Which is great. If there's one thing I would like everyone to get when they come to our place is that we are normal people. We're just normal people and we're not trying to put on a sh- Well, Are yeah. we normal though? Okay. We're all a bunch of weirdos, <laughs> but we are ourselves and we're fine with that. Like, yeah, well, you that's know. the thing with churches is it's yeah. like everyone puts on their Sunday best I and know. they go and they pretend to be, yep. I never cuss, I never drink, I never smoke yeah. for an hour yeah. a Sunday. I know. And, and I agree. I've never liked that. I don't think a lot of people like it because mm-hmm. nobody likes phony. Like, tell me where you appreciate phony. TV, movies. There you go. Okay, with actors and actresses, right? But outside of that, I mean, who is looking for that? You want people to be themselves. And... Okay, so why do you think everyone does that? Ego, or, you know, we all want to pretend to be awesome people. Mm-hmm. All I can think of is it's, it's ego, is what it is. We just want to... Okay, so then, and I know we've talked about this before in other places, um, there are basically three different ideas as far as who you are. There is um, who you want people to think you are, and then there is who people will think you are, and then who you actually are. And the fact is, we don't get a say in any of those. All we can do is try to be ourselves, and people are going to figure it out one way or another. So I think anytime everyone is a phony, all it does is turn people off as soon as they walk in the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it perpetuates the phoniness. Like you feel like when you go to church, you have now to fit. you have to be a phony to act, to to fit in. Yeah, and I think that fitting in want is very strong. So there is negative peer pressure in churches. Yes. Well, like I was in a church Bible study, and anytime I shared something like a struggle, like a personal struggle, mm-hmm. there was a lady who would always. You just need to trust God. And maybe it's not your journey. Maybe mm-hmm. someone else had to learn something from your mistake or your loss or your this. And um, I was like, but it's okay to have periods where I yeah. know, struggle with trusting God. Or, you know, it. I just felt like she didn't give me space to not. It wasn't okay for you to be wherever to you were. Or, yeah. 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 That's how it felt. No, I totally get that. I, I run into the same thing. So, um do you know, when are we getting together next time to talk? Um, I might have it in my phone. Yeah, I don't remember I know what it's it is. In it's August. next month. Oh, it's, okay, yeah, it's next month. August 20, maybe not. I have it on my calendar That's at home. fine. Well, it, more important was what we we're going to be talking about. So next month, we don't know the Sunday yet, but it is written down somewhere. Stephanie and I are going to be talking about um, Christians in recovery. So... Uh, do you want to tell everyone about where we met? I can. It's yeah. going to be my version. Go. <laughs> okay, got it. Go. Your uh, version. We met at an AA meeting, mm-hmm. and I was under the stairs smoking because I used to smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And Patrick walks up and he... <gasps> As a Christian? I mean, <laughs> you know, yes. Okay. Um, I also listened to some music with cuss words on the way there. I know. Folks, I'm sorry. We're going to have to end this podcast early. Thank you, everyone, for coming. We're just going to play you out. Stephanie, you can go ahead and 
Just walk out that door there. <laughs> so I saw Patrick walk up and he looked like he was looking around and I was like, are you looking for the meeting? It's right up there. And he's like, I know where the meeting is. And then he huffs up the stairs. Huffs up the stairs. Mm -hmm. Like that. And uh, yeah, that was it. Okay. So the important takeaway from that is that Stephanie and I met at an AA meeting. And we used to go to meetings together regularly. Yeah, and then I found a new... For a long time. Yeah. Yeah, for a couple of years. Probably. Yeah. So then anyway, you you found a new meeting. So that we don't see each schedule. other. Yeah, yeah, so we don't see each other anymore. But be, so because of that, um, Stephanie and I have experience together with groups that we can compare to churches. churches. And one of the things that's very different about an AA meeting is everybody is encouraged to be themselves and it's okay for you to be yourself. As a matter of fact, when you are not yourself, you're not helping yourself or anybody else in the group. So that's why, especially for an alcoholic, it's like, ugh, blow my brains out, you know, when you go to a church where everyone is acting like a phony. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, I didn't realize, because I've been going to church since I was 16. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, I never experienced the same authenticity that I have in AA meetings. Yep. I was like, well, people can talk about this stuff and be authentic with yeah. a room full of people that barely know them. Yeah. Um, and you just don't see that in a lot of churches. Nope. So when I was at, boy, this is like six, seven, actually my daughter's nine or 10. This might be like nine or 10 years ago. Um, I was at another church and I ran a very large Sunday school class and I ran an addictions program out of that church. And it was very popular, and we had a lot of the same feel because I, you know, obviously know a lot about addiction and recovery. And because of that, people really enjoyed my Sunday school class. Like, I would have dozens of people come to my Sunday school class and then not go to the church service in the morning because they enjoyed being around everybody there because they felt like people were themselves and it was comfortable and natural. And, mm -hmm. and then the church service was definitely on the faker and stuffier side. So a lot of them didn't want to come. And when I would ask them about it, that's what they'd tell me. They're like, yeah, we, we don't fit in there. Like they'd get dirty looks when they'd smoke cigarettes out front before they'd come in. And yep. And for me, I told the pastor when we started this addictions program, I said, I need an ashtray out front. He's like, what? I said, I need an ashtray out front. And he's like, well, you know, uh, I don't know if that's okay. I was like, well, they're either going to flick their cigarette butts in the, you know, parking lot or they'll put them in the ashtray. But you pick. But what they're not going to do is stop smoking just because it's church. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I got my ashtray, but it was such a foreign concept. And it, it, so you know that I smoke. Okay? Cigars. That I smoke cigars. When we were looking for churches, I would go out of my way to find a time when I could smoke a cigar in front of everyone at the new church I was going to. And I would do that on purpose. You want to guess why? To see others' reactions. You got it. To see everybody's reactions. Because based on those reactions, I knew who I could get along with. And if I had someone come up to me and tell me that I couldn't smoke a cigar at the church softball game while I'm, you know, eating a hot dog or whatever, you know, that to me was hysterical because I'd be like, well, actually, you know, it's a public park and I can and I'm going to. Because I'm a fully grown man. I can do whatever I want. But a lot of folks, you know, they'd have a heart attack if they knew that. And it's like, man, wait until you see the folks I'm going to start inviting to your church. You know, <laughs> so. Okay. So problems with modern day Christianity. Change gears here from churches to Christianity. Or actually, you know what? How about this? Didn't you bring some questions to ask me? I've been talking or asking you a bunch of questions. I was just going to ask mm -hmm. what made you, because you were agnostic previously correct I, I was an atheist oh atheist and then i became and then after i went through rehab and started going to recovery first narcotics anonymous and then alcoholics anonymous i became a theist with no discernible 
qualities beyond that. I knew there was a God, but that was it. Yeah. So what attracted you to Christianity? Why? It's a great question. I ended up in Yosemite National Park uh, working for a summer, and there was a fellow named Matt. I can't remember his last name. Um, if he hears this, I'd love to reconnect with the guy. And he came out there from Illinois. He was at a college in Illinois, and he came out with Campus Crusade for Christ. And he came out to the park with his girlfriend and a group of college kids to start Bible studies for the college kids that worked in the park. Because thousands and thousands of uh, college kids from around the country and around the world would come to that park and work there for a summer because they gave you room and board and you got to live in the most beautiful place in the world, you know, a very nice national park. So there were lots of, you know, it was a great opportunity to, to do those things. Anyway, his girlfriend dumped him like the day they were driving out there and she started dating some other dude. It was hysterical. I felt so bad. I met him like right after that. The wind was taken out of his sails. He had he did not care about Bible studies or, <laughs> or anything anymore. He just was out there licking his wounds and watching his girlfriend, <clears throat> you know, fall in love with this other guy. His girlfriend was a sweetheart. I met her as well and we were friends. Uh the other guy I never got to met. Anyway, I'm I'm off in the weeds. He spent the whole summer out there. I don't think he gave the gospel to one single person. He handed out, as far as I know, exactly one Bible while he was there. Gave it to me. I said, thank you. Uh, I got a very ambiguous gospel presentation. And I start. it was just a New Testament. It wasn't the Old Testament as well. And I started reading through it. I always wanted to read the Bible because I never, you know, even held one. That was the first Bible I held in my life, as far as I knew. I was maybe 20 years old, I think. So I started reading through it, and I started in Matthew and just read through it, and everything I read that Jesus said, I thought to myself, this is brilliant. I mean, all of this stuff is great. If I start living my life the way he says, things are going to get better. So I would start implementing things that Jesus said to do into my life. And I noticed I had positive reactions from every human I interacted with. And so I continued. I was like, I got to do more of this. This is great. So I continued doing that for, oh boy, I don't know how long. I got all the way through the New Testament I started to go to church because I was curious and I wanted to know more and I met more Christians and I finally got the gospel given to me clearly. And I, that's when I got saved and, you know, went from there. But it was really just uh, a random guy that I had become friends with uh, that, you know, we worked together. And he gave me a Bible and gave me the gospel and away I went. Now, I should tell you that I found out later that there were several Christians in my life that were praying for me to get saved for, for by that time, it must've been, you know, five or 10 years. So I think all of that put together, God was working on me, you know, and, and that was it. And I'll tell you this, I did not choose Christianity because it worked out with my lifestyle, you know, I, even though I was done drinking and doing drugs at that time, <clears throat> I went to a state college. Um, you know, I was chasing after women. I was gambling. I was just doing anything I wanted to because I didn't really have much of a moral code. You know, I stopped doing and selling drugs and burglarizing houses to make money to buy drugs. But beyond that, you know, I was living as worldly of a lifestyle as any 20-year-old guy could. So Christianity did not fit with my lifestyle. I didn't pick it because I thought it would be a good fit. I picked it because it was the truth and I couldn't get around it. So for me, that was it. I never okay. told you that before. I don't think so. Okay. What else you got? Uh, what's your biggest struggle today as a Christian? <sighs> um, you told me you were going to ask me that. So let me give you a broad stroke. Biggest struggle is sin. Is that too broad? Too broad. I can elaborate more. I would like that. Okay. So like currently I am trying to stop cursing. Mm. Yeah. 
So not just cursing, also using euphemisms. Oh, shoot. Mm. Shoot is a euphemism. It's a clear replacement for the word. So like, frick. Dang. You got it. Yeah. Garsh darn. Okay, so all heck. Heck. You know, so I'm just trying to clean it up. Um, Your husband was a good inspiration uh, for me because he's really good about that. Um, He's got so many glaring other problems, but as far as not cursing, he he really does a great job. He was my inspiration too. Well, and I admire him for that because uh, it's been a struggle for me and I'm like, like decent at it. I'm good. You know where I'm good enough at it? Church. In church. (laughs) You got your pastor pants on. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm good enough to not have to do it like on the podcast or at church and, and I can do it and I can be better at certain times. And I'm like, you know what? I'm better than this. I can do this. This is not beyond me. I need to clean up my mouth. So, you know, for me, that's one where it's like, I want to be able to say that because I used to not curse ever. And anyway, I want to get back there. But the the problem is simply, um, is simply sin. When I got saved, I was kind of hoping that the desire for sin would just, you know, be turned off. And it wasn't. I was the same sinful SOB that I was, you know, before I got saved. Kind of like when you stop drinking, you hope like you just got yeah, and just cream, right? better right away. And, and it took time. And still, all of my shortcomings and failures are due to sin. Um, my shortcomings and failures as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as everything, it, it that's the biggest problem is that I don't get to escape this body made of flesh. The world is still going to entice me with sin. The devil is still going to work on me, trying to get me to sin. And that's where all my faults and failures are. You know, every good thing you see Patrick Hayes do is because God is working through me at that time and I'm letting him. And every time, you know, I hurt somebody, I do something you know, stupid or offensive or anything, it's because Patrick Hayes is in control, you know, and I'm not led by the spirit. Is that a better one? You can follow up with more specific questions. I really like questions. And one of the struggles on this podcast is I think that people think like, oh, it's Patrick's podcast. You know, he has to do most of the talking. I would rather that other people, you know, lean in and ask questions and and run the show more because i'm having a guess so Mm -hmm. you know i'd like to hear from them okay so what was your question for me what's the biggest biggest struggle struggle? okay stephanie what's your biggest struggle and you can't say sin because i already took that (laughs) um i didn't know i was gonna be boomeranged Oh, yeah. If you ask me a good question, I got to hold up the mirror and give it to you. Um, you can avoid it. I can ask you a different one no, if you no, don't no, want no. it. I okay. Don't, I don't trust the next question you're going to ask. <laughs> it's only going to get harder and more specific. Um, I guess my biggest struggle as a Christian today, like in this period right now, would sure. be probably making sure that I'm still connecting with God even when I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. Mm-hmm. I tell guess me, I really struggle with that. Tell me what you mean. Praying, even though I'm, like, I, I know I'm always a sinner. Sure. Always, but there's sometimes where things are more glaring than others. Yeah. And during those times, I tend to kind of be like Jonah. It's like, I'm going to run and God won't see me. Or mm-hmm. um, I need to clean myself up first before uh-huh. I go and pray. I totally get that. And that's something I have to fight against. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this question. Do you struggle with the idea that all your sins are forgiven? No matter what you do, that's already been forgiven. You can't be any more forgiven. And God can't love you any more than he already does. So therefore, when you mess up, it should take that long for you to get back on the horse and right with God. Yeah. Well, I understand that like in my mind. Yeah. And I know scripture that backs that, that up. Yep. But it's like getting it to here. And mm-hmm. I had a 
a dad who is conditionally loving, who mm -hmm. if I wasn't on my best behavior or this or that, it made things difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think I've correlated that to God the Father. Totally makes sense. And so I know God the Father loves perfectly, um, but it's still that idea of no, 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 like I need to have done good today. And I, the thing is I never will do good enough. Um, so even in your mind, you'll never do good enough to where now you're at a good place. Yeah. And sometimes, you can, sometimes my prayers start out as you probably don't want to hear from me, but, and God probably rolls his eyes. And goes, <laughs> I don't have a problem with starting a prayer like that. For me, I tell people when you pray, pray honestly. Do you know how many times I start my prayer where I'm like, God, I do not feel like praying right now. I don't feel Christian. I don't feel like talking to you. I don't feel like any of this, but I know I need to. And that's where I'm starting from. So is, is this okay? Can we start here? I tell people, no matter, it doesn't matter how it sounds, be honest. I think that's, let me ask you this. When, how old is Ellie now? Four. Okay. Last year, when she was three, what was her vocabulary at three? How many words? A hundred. I don't know. So go back to two. How many words? What do you think? Ten. Okay. When she was two and she would want to talk to you, would you listen to her? Yeah. Why? Because she's my daughter. <laughs> okay. What, what, I, what she had to say was important to her. Okay. And I know it's adorable when a two-year-old's trying to talk because they only know ten words. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. And you're not going to learn anything. Your life is not going to be improved in any way, pragmatically, from listening to her. But you still do. Why? Because I love her. Because you love her. So can we use that as a parable? Yeah. And I use that a lot for... That's actually helped having kids of my own. Uh -huh. Has helped a lot with... Your relationship with my God. My relationship with God. But I think there's still that intrinsic. Like just trying to get it from here to here some days. Absolutely. My brain to my heart. I realize people can't, some people can't see me. Brain to my heart. Yeah. So you had an issue with your dad mm -hmm. being a poor model of God with his children. Mm -hmm. And now you're starting to see you and Nick as a good model with you and your children. <laughs> Let's Define say good. a better one that is trying. Yes. And because of that, you understand the Bible and understand your relationship with God better. Better, yes. Because I, I know how much I love them mm -hmm. and that nothing they could do would make me love them less. Mm -hmm. Like, And sometimes it's also because it, sometimes it would feel like things I was being punished mm -hmm. or this or that. And having kids of my own was like, oh, God says no. Mm -hmm. Like I say no to my kids, you can't have mm -hmm. chocolate cake for breakfast. Sure. Or, you know, no, you can't swallow that penny. Yeah. Because you know best. I don't care how much the kid wants to do it. Right. I'm the parent. I know what's and best. So and so I'm like, well, to God and how much I know, I'm probably like the kid trying to swallow the penny. Sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, he's like, oh my God. God, how am, how I want to eat that pile of thumbtacks. I don't care what you think. <laughs> he's probably like, <laughs> just so exhausted from trying to keep me alive uh okay so i think that most christians struggle with that same idea now in the program we talk about that as far as you know wanting to be healthy before you go to the hospital mm -hmm. right some people think like oh you know i'm too much of a drunk i can't go to an aa meeting i'm a train wreck i need to you know get my life better or get this thing under control and it's like no no no. this is where you come to get the help mm -hmm. just like you go to the hospital when your arm's broken you don't try to set the bone yourself and put it in a splint right you know and then when you're feeling better go to the hospital like yeah like jesus came to heal the sick you got it so same idea that's you know what we're supposed to do when we're going to read our bible or pray yeah okay any others Oh, well, I mean so many. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give me another question. It's your turn. <clears throat> we'll uh, go back and forth. About anything. Anything? Yeah, I don't care. Um, we just got to fill time here. We got 20 minutes. We got 20 minutes. I could care less. Our audience could care less what we're talking about. We got one thumbs up. Oh, Who is look it? at this. Is it my husband? <clears throat> wait, wait, wait. 
Uh, we got some people saying hi. Um, we have some people talking about the school and church stuff. And, uh, LaRonda Man, you really loves slapped. it. You really slapped I know. reading I'm not, the comments. I wasn't even watching. Um, someone else is saying that they struggle with cursing. That's encouraging mm -hmm. to hear. The only reason I stopped cursing was because I'm a people pleaser and my husband wanted you to. Well, we, were, we weren't even dating, but we were kind of like interested in each other. And I cussed and he goes, mm, I don't think girls who cuss are attractive. Mm. And I was like, that was done. when you were dating, not even dating, like pre dating, pre dating. He said, I don't find girls who cuss attractive. Did and he like look down at you? It was through text and then roll his eyes. And it wasn't even, <laughs> it wasn't even a cuss word. It was like the at sign and the uh -huh. $2 signs. So you were like hiding your cuss. You just put the I capital F and then the, trying to make it like a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was making it endearing. So he goes, I don't find women who cuss attractive. And I was like, done. Whoa. Stopped cussing that day. Yeah. Done. Well, at least around him. Okay. But now I just don't cuss very often unless something scares me mm -hmm. or. Okay. Know. Are you ready for this? This, yeah. is, this is a neat little story. So, and I'm going to butcher it because I don't remember some of the specifics other than there was a big uh, revival in England. Now there were several throughout, you know, from the time of Christ until now. Right. But during one of them, and I can't remember who the preacher was that was going through England and preaching, but there was such a great revival that almost all work stopped in the coal mines because they couldn't get any of the donkeys to obey them because they used donkeys in the coal mines because this is pre-industrial revolution. Right. Because they were so used to beating the donkeys and screaming and cursing at them that they, the guys couldn't get the donkeys to do anything. Yeah, because they were everyone was getting saved and they were all changing their lives and they were all stopping, yeah, their physically ways. beating the donkeys oh and screaming, cursing at them. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of neat stories yeah. like that. I guess something else I struggle with is uh, treat your body like a temple. <sighs> Drinking the chemicals. and. Okay, let me ask you this. <clears throat> Because, first of all, what is that verse most often used against? Um, drinking, you, smoking. Um, sure. Or you know what's funny? Going around being intimate with people. You know what's funny is I often because I don't hear that used against drinking much no. because every Christian That's knows true. one or two verses that they can use to support their drinking, no matter what else they're against in the world. And it's funny because I will hear them use that against different things, but they won't use it for alcohol, mm -hmm. which I find comical because alcohol is poison. Yeah, It kills your brain cells. It, it absolutely kills you. It just takes a long time to do it. Okay. So, <clears throat> um, so I often hear that one used for um, doing drugs. I have people bring that up for my smoking. Mm -hmm. But let me ask you this. Where's the line? I have no idea. I had a, The only first time I heard it was when I was in a counseling in high school with a Christian counselor. And it was in reference to my eating disorder okay. at the time. Sure. So I have no idea where it is. Well, because for me, my thought is... And realistically, can I use that for white processed sugar? Yeah. Do you know what I'm going to die from, Stephanie? Do you know? No. Are you a prophetess? No. Do you know what your husband's going to die from? We're both going to die from the <laughs> We're both going to die from the same thing. Heart disease. That's the number one killer of men. Okay, across the board. Do you know what your husband's doctor and my doctor tell both of us every time we go in for a physical? Lose weight and Lose get down weight. on You got salt. Okay. Every single man in America hears the same thing. We're all going to die from heart disease. I've even asked my doctor, I'm like, does it matter if I smoke two or three cigars a month? He laughed out loud. He's like, no, you need to lose weight, fatso. He said, you're going to die from a heart attack. Every, you know, so that's what they're always telling me, <clears throat> which I thought was funny. 
But really, I've always thought to myself, okay, if we're going to use that verse and we're going to mean that we are supposed to be doing healthy living, then how do we not use it for our diet? How does that not work for ice cream and fried chicken? I know. It's there's a lot of things that seem to be this double standard. No, in Christianity, in Christianity? Yes. double standard. You say? I know. I'm I'm blown. <laughs> I know you're shocked. Yeah. So that was always one where I was like, "Come on." Mm-hmm. First of all, I think it's a cheap shot for anyone to throw that on the table to use against anybody else because it's like, if we're going to say that it has to do with anything unhealthy going into our body. Who can, who can stand up and say, yep, I'm the model, you know, I'm the one, you know what I mean? Yeah. For me, it's always been like, if, if ye without sin throw, cast the, the first, first stone, stone could ever be used, I think it's on that verse. For yeah. Anytime I hear someone use that verse, I just roll my eyes and I lose some more respect for them. I always think it's comical. Like there's very much like no drinking too much. Don't be a drunkard, da, da, da. And it's yeah. just like people who are overweight. Oh yeah. And it's like. Okay, so I'm going to tell you another story. Do you know who Charles Spurgeon is? No. Oh, my dear Lord. I'm very uneducated, and I'm blonde. Oh, You're the one who asked me to be on here. Okay. No, it's okay. Uh, do you know who D.L. Moody is? Okay. You're, you could just shake your head and say, yes, I'm not going to ask you about them. Yes, I'm yes, not going to I know quiz. who. Okay. They're both, both best friends of mine. We're on first name basis. Okay, good. So uh, D.L. Moody, who was a, um, a pastor and a preacher during the Civil War, and Still best friend. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon, who was a contemporary, but he was a pastor over in the nation of England. They were contemporaries. Deal Moody was a massively overweight man. He was over 400 pounds. Now, he was very tall, too, and he was a big guy. So he carried the weight, you know, better than most of us would over 400 pounds. But he was still, he had a big old Santa Didn't Claus belly. Did he carry that much weight? Yeah, he was a massive man. Now, maybe I need to check my... Are we my... talking about, like, Andre the Giant massive? Yeah, he was, like, very tall. He was very broad. He was a huge guy. Okay, so, and I might have my numbers mixed up because I'm trying to pull this from a story that I I read one of their biographies from a long time ago. So let's say he was 300 pounds. Is that better? Sure. Okay, 300, 350 pounds. But he, he was always known as a, you know, a big fat guy. And Charles Spurgeon smoked cigars literally one after another. Yeah, yeah, as a pastor. Yeah, one of the most famous pastors that God used in the history of the world. Okay, so they were together, and they were, you know, doing some kind of revival meeting, and they were both preaching together when D.L. Moody traveled over to England, and D.L. Moody um, challenged Spurgeon, and he said, when are you going to give up those cigars? You need to give up those cigars, man. And Charles Spurgeon said, as soon as you get rid of that, and he poked him in the belly like that Pillsbury Doughboy. And the point was simply, there are two men, they were both used of God in great ways. They, they did wonderful things for the Lord, and they both had their hang-ups. Deal Moody was overweight, Charles Spurgeon smoked like a chimney, you know, and it's easy to pick on somebody for something, especially when it's not the thing you're doing. Right. Yeah. Holier than thou, right? You got it, you know. We and all rate sin in some yeah. way or another. When I was first married, I, I don't know. I think I was like 165, 170 pounds. I ran a six-minute mile. And whenever the pastor would preach against, you know, junk food and being overweight, I would scream amen. I don't scream amen anymore. <laughs> okay, now I hang my head in shame. <laughs> okay, you, it's your turn. You got a question for me. Um, I thought I asked the last question. Did, no, we were talking about, I brought this up. It wasn't really a question. It was just yeah, saying that's something Yeah, there wasn't a question in there. It got us talking for exactly. a while. Give me a question. Oh my God. Uh, gosh. Mm. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's great. We'll just edit that out. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Um. About anything. That was your question. You said about anything. And I said, yeah, about anything. But then you never got to a question. What's your favorite video game? (sighs) It's been a while, but I'll tell you what. I really lost a lot of respect for the Far Cry franchise after this last one. They're starting to push the whole, you know, 
liberal pinko commie you know woke mentality nut job agenda in the video games and i'm sick of it it's just ruining it for me in this last one did you play what was the name of the last one i don't know but didn't you play far cry i played the third one okay the third one was good the fourth one was good after that uh, the fifth one was called something different i remember i saw one where they're sitting at like a table oh no that was i think that was no that was five anyway i don't even remember what the new one was but i bought it and i was playing with it and it was it was a bunch of anti-american you know stuff about how america is so racist and you know all these problems mm-hmm. and i don't play video games for politics i play it for enjoyment exactly my whole thing is you know just shut up and let me play the game like i don't play video games to get into politics i don't watch professional sporting events to get into politics i want to be entertained this is the time when i don't want to think about anything i just want to watch a hockey game that's what i'm down to now is hockey it's the only <laughs> it's the only Hockey's sport i can now, watch isn't it? yeah it is stanley cups over colorado yeah. actually won i, don't I know, know if you knew that. and you didn't come yeah. over and watch it yeah we were, were planning on doing, doing that podcast yeah i don't remember you were gonna no you were gonna come no because tuesday won. was the was the seventh game it was. The the sixth game was on Sunday night, and if there was a seventh, it was on Tuesday. There wasn't a seventh. There was a seventh. Are you sure? No, I'm not. And now I feel like I'm not going to check my phone. It's not that important. Let's just well, say no, I, I was... Because I want to be right. I'm okay. not right against you very often. Yeah, well, now would be a good time. So long as we're not talking the Bible, I think you have a good chance. <laughs> Colorado. I'll let you look it up. Avalanche. Boom. Okay. How many games? Um... Uh, see now i gotta like scroll through 10 stories to find oh colorado avalanche 2022 here we go um see more how many games who wins game six of the stanley cup final was that it that's what it says see it doesn't tell me which game it was final june 26th that was the last one what was the 26th now i gotta go to a calendar oh my goodness let me tell you this is making for great radio i know everyone's (laughs) totally tuned in it was a sunday you were right there was no seventh game on a tuesday okay 8 19 on july 17th 2022 mark it down folks patrick was was wrong stephanie was right okay i gotta have a so your favorite game uh i don't know um okay did you play that one where the girl was they had the like mechanical dinosaurs and there was the girl no i saw that that was evolution or (sighs) i can't remember the name that's how long ago it was that i played that i've seen i've seen i've never played it. it they only had one they had several uh parts of downloadable content that were pretty good, that were pretty large map expansions that I liked a lot. If they came out with another one, I would buy it and play it in a heartbeat. It was great action. It was a third person, you know, a lot like Assassin's Creed. It was an open world. Um, The story was great. It was totally unique. That's what I loved about it. The weapons, the bad guy. I mean, everything was just so different from any other story. So I really liked it. Other than that, <clears throat> a lot of times I'll do, uh, I really like the uh, Tomb Raider, the new ones, the new Lara Croft that are like the prequels. To, Is that all PlayStation? Um, I don't no, think I've I th- seen it on Xbox. Yeah, I thought they oh. came out with both. I, I might Maybe. be wrong again. I'm not sure. but If it's not Fallout, I'm like, what? Oh, really? I See, don't know. Yeah, a lot of people are Fallout only and you almost have to be. I'm yeah. not Fallout only. Like yeah. I've played the Bioshocks. and uh, Never played Bioshocks. Yeah, I've had them suggested to me. Really? Do you want to borrow one? Sure. Do you, okay. No, but you had you're uh um I'm PS4. Yeah, you're Dang, now that you're another one. Such a problem. A uh, dang nabbit? I don't know. It's it sounded bad. We'll ask Nick to Jolly weigh in on G. that. Will a curse. Nick, was that was that a curse? Please. Is he watching? I'm, I'm watching the text. Yeah, he sent in a he sent in a couple of... Did he uh, say your guest was the most beautiful girl he's ever seen? No, but he said you were right about the hockey game. So, <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> so question for Stephanie. Uh, tell me this. Do you find any incongruity... I use that word because I knew you wouldn't know what it meant. And I want to try to feel smarter than you on this podcast now that you had the Colorado avalanche thing on me. Do you find any incongruity between being a woman 
who is a Christian in the Bible? Do you find it to be an issue anywhere? I guess the only... Um, the women's can't be leaders thing I've wondered about. You don't like that? I don't really particularly care because I have no desire to be a leader. <gasps> Get out of here. <laughs> but, uh-huh. yeah, I'm... You know me. I'm super mm-hmm. duper follower. About uh-huh. as followers you get. Um, but uh, I, I'm just like, why? I guess I'd have to look into it more. Like, why? Now, so here's the, there's two things. Number one, the first the first answer I would give to that is it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right? The reason why is not relevant. The, the issue for all of us is to figure out what God says and then obey it, whether we like it or not, understand it or not. Number two, I'm going to say that you are partially wrong. Women can be leaders of other women and children. Not of men. Only not of men. That's the only difference. Gotcha. Yeah. So have you found any other... But that hasn't been a sticking point that has ruined your day or... I don't really care. That's a relief to hear. It's something I've wondered. I guess like why? Mm -hmm. Why? Um, Okay, so let me ask you this. Did you know or do you believe that God made men and women different? Yes. In what way? Our brains work differently. Women are way better at multitasking. Men are much better at compartmentalizing. Okay, so our brains work different. How else did God make us different? Our bodies. Okay, so physically he made us different. Men are stronger. Okay, pound Um, for pound, every man is stronger. mm -hmm. That's a fact. Did you know that women do not have the same muscles that men have protecting their collarbone? I did not. Yeah, which is why women should not wrestle. Because when you go in head first and collarbones meet, shoulders meet for a man and a woman, the the woman goes, snap. Yeah, it's it's literally a biological difference that... Interesting. Yeah, you can't change. men were like muscle, fat, muscle. Okay. And women are fat, muscle, fat. So, I didn't know that. It's harder for women to lose weight or get huh. six packs or huh. super intense muscles. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have the way their brains work, physically, the way they're made. Mm-hmm. I think everyone would agree yeah. with that. Okay. Uh, how else did God make us different? Emotionally. Emotionally, I agree. So with that as our premise, wouldn't it make sense that God would have different roles since he made us so different. Yes. So there's your answer. The reason God said, women, this is your job, men, this is your job, is because he made us different and he knows what we're going to be best at. So that's the simple answer without you know really getting in any deeper. I don't think I've struggled with a lot mm-hmm. of, in the Bible with regards to women and I think there are some really amazing women in the Bible. Sure. um, That do amazing things. Yeah. I mean, Um, I'm never going to preach on them. (laughs) 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 Oh, brother. Okay, your turn for a question. Um... What is the hardest part about raising uh, children in Christianity, in God? Okay, so there's there's a couple answers to that. So number one, I'm going to say, well, if I answer the question I, without getting off into the weeds, the hardest part is keeping them separate from the world. The idea is, and I'm just going to say this, so many Christians are just fine with their kids looking like the world, acting like the world, thinking like the world in every way imaginable. And because of this, and and even if you say that's the worst case scenario on this side of the spectrum, the next is to have standards that are so pathetically low that you might as well just say, do whatever you want. But the parents say, no, no, no. We toe the line and we have standards. And and the kids, like I said, for all intents and purposes, are just like the world. And then all the way on this side, you have parents that are like, this is what the Bible says. 
this is what we're going to do. The kids on both sides of that spectrum, all in Christian homes, all saved, are going to be very, very different. The problem is, your kids, if you take the Bible very seriously, are going to be strange to a lot of other kids. And that's hard as a child. Growing up, kids already feel weird and different. And to hold them to a standard and to have that standard be because God said, because the Bible said, is weird for a lot of people. So I think kids, it's hard for parents to be okay making standards that they know is going to cause their child to stand out and possibly be the weird kid. And you're doing it because you know that's what God says to do. You love your kids. You know God loves your kids. You want the best for them, so you want them to obey the Bible. That's always hard. Along with that, um, one of the hardest things with raising kids across the board is consistency. Uh, I've never been able to maintain anything like you know perfect adherence to those principles. Uh, along with that, I have to know that my kids, especially until they get old enough, are only ever going to rise to the level of my Christianity Mm -hmm. because that's what they're going to see as normal, so that's what they're going to default to. My hope and my goal is that they have their own relationship with God, that they grow apart from Dad, and that they have a desire to run after God with more vigor than I ever did. A struggle for kids is if they ever decide that they want to be real serious about God and they say, God, please use me to do something great. I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I want to get close to you. And they start taking steps towards God and they start making changes that they believe would please God. Guess where the most resistance comes from? Yourself. The parents. Oh. The parents don't like it when their kids take a step to be closer to God and have a higher standard than the parent does. Mm. The parent they take it personal. You got it. And the parent is often the one that says, oh, you don't have to do that. So it's, and that's even in good Christian homes, you find that, you know, so it's really tough. But I think that's it. I think if you are willing to say, what God says is best. That's what I want to do. I don't care what the world thinks. Um, I think you can raise great kids for God. I think they're going to be happy. You know, they certainly can be. I always can only hold my kids up as an example, but my kids and I live a very different life than the world. We live a pretty different life than most Christians. And you tell me, are my kids a bunch of socially awkward weirdos? No. Okay. Then I'll have to be. I've met much worse. Oh, yeah. There you go. Good enough. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Bible Thumper podcast. Uh, you can find this podcast, if you're watching the video, on Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Audible, Blueberry, uh, all the different places that you can find a podcast. And if you are listening to us on a podcast platform, you can join us every Sunday night at 7 p.m. unless we have audio video problems on our Facebook and YouTube channel. And those are both found by just simply searching for Bible Thumper Podcast on a Facebook page or a YouTube channel. So please get on those channels, like and subscribe to them. Please do the same thing on a podcast. If you are not following us on Spotify, please get on there and... Uh, subscribe or like us. I don't even know what you do on Spotify. You do one of I those things, right? Oh, I've okay. never been on Spotify. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and that'll help us out a lot. With that, um, you're going to be able to find me on Stephanie's TikTok channel in a month, a couple weeks. 25th. How do, they, how do they find you on TikTok, Stephanie? 
they get on TikTok. Yeah, but how do you like? There's a handle or a tag or a name or how do how do they find you? S anonymous, like anonymous, but S S anonymous four period ten. S anonymous four period ten on TikTok. You can find Stephanie. It's a picture of me and Nick. It's a picture of her and her husband. Other otherwise, guys treat it like a dating app. Oh really? Yes. Yeah, so uh. many messages. I'm like. <laughs> Do you watch my videos? It's about recovery. I'm clearly crazy. Okay, so Stephanie has a TikTok channel that she dedicated completely to um, alcoholism and recovery, and she has lots of videos on there. Many of them are very funny. Uh, but you can find us uh, every Sunday night, 7 p.m., Bible Thumper Podcast on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, please follow us, join in, leave a comment. We definitely enjoy having everybody here. Stephanie, thank you for coming. We're going to have you in August and then again in September. We're going to be talking about some different stuff, so that'll be fun. Everyone have a great week.